All right, Anabolic Academy. This is the show on series and silliness bodybuilding where you send me questions and I answer them. Anything about bodybuilding or fitness, anything at all, hit me up on Instagram, series and silliness, or email me, unclejohn1201 at gmail. Or my other email is john underscore Livia, L I V I A, it's V as in Victor, at Yahoo. So today we got one question that uh, was emailed to me and the rest was on Instagram. So we're going to start off with the question that was emailed to me. Gentleman's name is Tom Fenimore. And uh, he emailed me and asked me, what do I think about the new change going from the top five Olympia being qualified for the next year to the top three? Now, personally, I, I think it's a good thing. I As a fan, I think it's great. And I'll tell you why. There's two reasons why I prefer it as a fan. The first one is, well, those two are going to have to compete and they are going to have to qualify and we get to see them. Right. And a lot of times the top five, they don't do anything for a whole year and you don't see them on stage till the Olympia and kind of, you know, robs the fan a little bit. You kind of want to see the top guys compete. Right. Um, We love the Nick Walkers and the Derricks and the hotties and the Samsons and you know, whoever, Hunter, I mean, the best guys in the world are Brandon, you know, well, Brandon's never going to have to worry. He's Mr. Olympia. He was Mr. Olympia, so he could compete till the uh, in the Olympia till the day he dies without qualifying, which I think is a good thing. But, you know, we want to see those guys on stage. We want to see them compete, so it's great. The other reason why I am a big fan of it is because I look at the Olympia as the Super Bowl of bodybuilding, right? It is the World Series of bodybuilding, and only the best of the best should be on that stage. And the more difficult you make it, then what happens is these guys have to try harder. That's number one. And then you're only going to get the real best on that stage. Now, I didn't mind the point system. It was pretty cool following the point system. But what you had last year, you had almost 40 guys. I believe it was 36 guys. And after the top 10, you know, the rest of them go home. That's a lot. That's a lot. You know, but if you got 20 guys, 25 guys, well, kind of make some noise. You never know what could happen, right? But um, I like that idea that it becomes difficult because the Olympia is the greatest bodybuilding show on planet Earth, and it should be very difficult to get there. Anyway, so that's that. That's my opinion on that. The other question are all Instagram questions. And, of course, they all come from Fran is the man. He is the man. He's my man. Okay, let's see. His first question. Favorite bodybuilding non-mandatory pose? So the one that comes to mind, I'll try to describe it, but I'll get a picture and I'll put it up so you guys can see it. The one that comes to mind is Flex Wheelie used to do this pose where he got on one knee and his other leg was, you know, like 90 degrees. And he would twist his body and do almost like a rear double by, but it was twisted. And the reason why I, I admired that pose so much, especially on him, was you could see everything. You, you could see how small his waist was. You could see the, the definition of detail in his back and his shoulders and his in his um, buys and tries. And you could see the striations in his glutes and his hamstrings. You could see the, um, the the sweep in his leg. You could see his calves. You could see everything, but it was it was it was not conventional. And it was a beautiful pose on him. Right. And so I would probably say that one. I don't know what you want to call it. I, I don't know what to call that non-mandatory pose, but that was a tremendous pose, especially on Flex Wheeler. It was probably, you know what? It's probably 
more difficult to pull off that pose than most people do because not many people have done that pose since him, right? You know, Flex was a special was a special bodybuilder. All right, next question: Who had the greatest most muscular pose ever? All right, the greatest ever. Well, I'm drinking my um, uh, Dream Chaser, but I prevail subs because this is actually it's late and I want to get to bed right after this, so this actually really helps. Anyway, the three guys that come to mind, obviously in recent years, Rolly Winkler, Rolly Winkler. His most muscular was insane. And the way he even went into the pose was insane. He had this slow crab. It was just like he would do it slow because you see all the muscles contract. It was unbelievable, right? The, the other one that I was thought of was Kevin Lavrone. Now, I know it wasn't like a freak most muscular, but he used to do that hands clasp most muscular, and it looked so great on him. Because he had tremendous shoulders and he had tremendous triceps. And, you know, he was a bodybuilder. He was typical 90s bodybuilder, always came in shape. Uh, you saw the striations in his chest. You saw his, it was just a beautiful pose on him. And even though it wasn't a freaky, freaky, most muscular show, uh, pose, like a crab shot, like we normally would think of, it looked amazing on him. The other one, I actually had to look this guy up because I remembered him, but I couldn't put my finger on what his name was, right? It was a German bodybuilder in the 90s. And I'm probably going to butcher his name. Not too many people know him. His name was Roland. I, I'm sorry if I butcher your name, Roland. Surlock. C-Z-I-O-R-L-O-K. Surlock. His most muscular, the crib, was insane. It was, it was insane. It was just like, it was like this freaky, freaky, fucking muscle shredded hard grainy granite chest shoulders traps it was just with veins it was insane but those would be my top three i I don't know i can't really pick the best but those would be in for the top of my head if i don't remember anybody put it in the description area because i you know i can't remember everybody right uh let's see the next question from fran is the man uh let's see do you plan on covering other divisions for the Olympia, like classic 212 men's physique? All right. I know I don't cover the other divisions like I should. So here, I will make a promise to everybody. Forget men's physique. I'm not covering it. You have a better shot of seeing Jesus Christ come off the cross than me covering men's physique. Classic physique, I will cover the top three in the whoever wins the Olympia, okay? 212, I will cover the top three in whoever is in the Olympia. And then, of course, the open, I'm going to go down. I'm going to just go into the rabbit hole of the open because, to me, that's bodybuilding. The open is bodybuilding to me. So that's what I will do. Okay. Next question. If you did a celebrity boxing match against anyone, who would you want to be your opponent? (laughs) That's actually pretty funny. First of all, I'd have to get into boxing shape, right? Because I don't think I can go, like, even if it was just three two-minute rounds. You know, getting into a street fight is like, no, no, street fights don't last more than 15 seconds usually, right? Somebody gets knocked out. Somebody breaks it up. People, it's exhausting. I mean, it's just, right? But to be a fighter, they're probably, to be a professional boxer and go 12 rounds, 12 three-minute rounds, you're probably the greatest athlete in, in the world, in my opinion. Plus, somebody's trying to beat the shit out of you at the same time. Anyway, 
So I'd have to get into shape. That's number one. Uh, the other, who would I want to fight? I would stay in this, you know, I would stay in my world. So I would try to pick another bodybuilding YouTuber, right? Honestly, I know he's not a bodybuilding YouTuber, but he's always on RX Muscle. And I think it would be funny and entertaining if I would have a celebrity fight against Greg Valentino. I think it would be hilarious because he would talk a ton of shit. He's a nut job. He would definitely do it for the right amount of money, right? And uh, it would be entertaining. And um, I wouldn't mind punching him in the face because I know he wouldn't mind punching me in the face. Not because we hate each other. I don't even know the guy. You know, I was on Eric Muscle and he was, he was a gentleman and I was a gentleman toward him. But what I mean by that is he's the kind of guy that if you get him in the ring and you put boxing gloves on and you say you have to beat him up, he's going to try and beat you up. He's not going to have any compassion. <laughs> like, so he's going to try and take my head off. I, I would probably go with him because everybody else, like guys like Nick from Nick Strength and Power or Xavier, like they're too nice. I would feel bad beating them up. Dave, I would have way too much respect for. I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to. I would have until he punched me in the face. Then I would probably get pissed off. But I would have way too much respect for him. So I think a fun celebrity boxing match between two bodybuilding YouTubers, me and Greg Valentino, I think would be hilarious and entertaining. Right. Anyway, that was a funny question. Next, next question from Fran is the man is how would a prime Jason Ons do if he competed against today's two twelve and open competition? All right. Well, if 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 Arns did the open, he'd get destroyed. Okay, he was never a very big bodybuilder, and the bodybuilders today are bigger and harder and greater than ever. All right, I don't care what anybody says. Okay, the, these guys are monsters today. But put Arns in the two twelve division, two twelve division today from when he was in his prime, he'd hold his own. He definitely would hold his own. He would probably be able to break the top ten in the two twelve. Um. Olympia, and I think he would be able to break the top three in any 212 uh, bodybuilding con- contest. You you know, I know you a lot of you guys are young, but there was a, there were a lot of great bodybuilders in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, and he was one of them. He was the talk of the town in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, you know, the tri-state area, Connecticut, because he... Everybody knew he was going to turn pro. Anybody who followed bodybuilding or followed the amateur circuits knew he was going to turn pro. He was just that good. And then he won the nationals. And you got to remember that you had to win your division in the nationals to win the whole thing. And he, to get your pro card rather, and he didn't just win his division. He won the whole thing. He won the whole overall. And the conditioning that he brought was unbelievable. He had, you know, a tremendous V taper. He had had a, a tremendous aesthetics he had a tremendous x-frame he had great quads he had great shoulders um he always came in condition uh so you know he was the only way he would get beat would be you know guys that were bigger than him and uh that would be pretty much they would out muscle him because you got to remember that when he first turned pro it was every man for himself there was no 202 because it started off first as 202 and then it went to 212 i'm pretty sure there was no 202. You got to get on stage with guys like Marcus Rule and Paul DeLette. And they, they would do off him. It was, you know, once 202 came in and he jumped in there, he was able to hold his own. I think he was in the top five in the Olympia several times. So even though the bodybuilders today are better, I think if he was 212, I think he'd be fine. I think he'd, people would be talking about him as, uh, you know, a, a threat on any 212 stage. 
Uh, let's see. Next question from Fran is the man. Where are you, Franny? Franny, Franny, Franny. There you are. Uh, do you think the Olympia should explore hosting in different countries like it did before? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't care. One ball of me. It's not like I go every year. I go from time to time. Hopefully, my YouTube channel will blow up enough where I could have a booth there. Uh, but I mean, as of now, I I went and went in twenty twenty. Yeah, I believe I went in 2020. It was in Orlando, right? Yes. I went in 20. No, 2021. I'm sorry. I went in 2021. That's right. I went in 2021. And then I went in 2016, I believe. And, you know, me and my wife just made like a, a you know, trip out of it. But I, I wouldn't care if it was in any other country Um because it's, you're just going to live stream it. So you can have it in fucking butt fuck Africa. And, and I'm, you're going to live stream it. I'm going to be able to watch it. So it wouldn't bother me. But it was, it's whatever makes the most sense for the IFBB and the athletes. You know, and one of the benefits that these athletes have is that they're able to travel and see parts of the world they would never be able to if they weren't professional bodybuilders. Right. So I think I wouldn't bother me in the least. I wouldn't care. It's fine with me. Uh, let's see. I believe we have one more question from Fran as the man. Yes. Have you ever asked Milo Sarchev to do your podcast? He seems to be on every podcast. <laughs> I would absolutely love to have Milo on. The man is, they don't call him the mind for nothing. The man is an absolute bodybuilding genius. And um, to be able to pick his brain and have him on for a half hour, an hour is, would be epic, right? Here's the thing. These older guys are difficult to get in touch with because they're not on their phones 24-7. They're not constantly looking at their DMs and so on and so forth. So you, the only way I'm going to be able to get this these guys on, like a guy like Charles Glass or Milo or Farah or Cito, is if I know somebody that knows them. So it actually came close. I almost had Milo's on. If you guys remember six months ago or so, before the muscular development debacle, I always had Danny Broadhurst on. And Danny's a uh, national level bodybuilder and he was trained by Milos and I did, I did almost have Milos on. He had to cancel like a couple of days before or whatnot. Cause uh, Danny asked him to come on with us. And, um, uh, but unfortunately it never happened. Same thing with Charles glass. I used to be relatively friendly with uh, Doug Fruchet. I mean, we still keep in touch from time to time and Doug Fruchet studies under Charles glass and I could probably say that Doug Fusheri is the second coming of Charles Glass because Doug is a, is a great trainer because he trains under literally the godfather of bodybuilding. That's what they call him. I mean, the guy, Charles Glass is brilliant in the gym. He's brilliant. And I almost had him on. And it, you know, uh, because I asked Doug to come on with him and it just didn't happen that way. You know, when you have a young guy and he's always on his phone and checking his DMs and so on and so forth, and, you know, it's easier to get in touch with those guys. The older guys, it's a little, a little tougher. You know, the reason why you see him on every podcast is because you see him on the big podcast. You know, you have to remember that these big podcasters, Dave Palumbo, Fawad, Jay Cutler, Dennis James, they've been in the game for a long time and they've been top pro bodybuilders or trainers or whatnot. And they know these guys. They knew these guys before they had podcasts. They were, you know, probably very friendly with these guys. They might have even had Milos might have even helped them or trained them or, or trained people they knew. So it's easy to contact them, especially if you're Dennis James or Fuad or Dave Palumbo. Hey, come on, you know, my show. And they're probably, yeah, no problem. 
you know, when you're a guy like me who literally, you know, I'm, I'm a nobody, you know, what, what, what you might know me in the NPC world in New Jersey and New York, that's about it. Right. Until this channel blows up, you don't know me. So it's difficult to get those guys on. I would absolutely love for Milos to come on. That would be one of the greatest interviews for me personally, because I'm such a fan of his. Anyway, all right, that's it for Anabolic Academy. But if you haven't subscribed or hit that notification bell, do it now, and I'll tell you why. This Wednesday night, I am recording Muscle Talk, but it's going to be a special Muscle Talk because we're going to be reviewing the Olympia. But my guests are going to be, obviously, I will be there. Jason Ons, who is always going to be there. But I'm also going to have Jose Raymond and Stanimal. And they're going to be joining us on Muscle Talk, doing a preview of the Olympia Three of the best bodybuilding minds in the game. Um, I would would not want to miss it if I were you. It's going to be a, a tremendous show. And I'll put this muscle talk up against any other bodybuilding YouTubers preview. I know Dennis, James, RX Muscle, Fuad, you know, these guys. Stanimal is a top elite bodybuilder now, knows his shit. Jose Raymond was one of the best two-tall bodybuilders to ever walk the earth, and he's a great trainer and knows his stuff. Uh, and, of course, Orange, you know, is extremely intelligent. And then you got me. So it's going to be fantastic. So like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and we will see you soon. Peace.